I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshire. Um, how does the Wild Thornbreeds <laughs> opening sequence start? It's like, that's me. I'm AJ. And that's Richard. We found him. What a piss poor. I needed to look <laughs> up what the actual words to the internet And AJ, he found us. <laughs> I was going to go with the Rugrats. I got a mom, a dad, and a sister. <laughs> there you go. And something was... amazing happened. And now I can talk to babies. <laughs> I was going to do the Rugrats opening theme instead, but I'd just done that off pod as a joke and was like, okay, and I'll start with Wild Thornberrys. You're like, oh God, Richard, Richard can't handle hearing that twice. <laughs> Wait, should we do our uh, Wild Thornberries opening and mm-hmm. you sing the Rugrats theme and I'll recite okay. the, um, the, okay, here yep. we go. Ready? Yep. This is me, Eliza Thornberry, part of your average family. I got a dad, a mom, and a sister. There is Donnie, we found him, and Darwin, he found us. Oh yeah, about our house, it moves, because we travel all over the world. You see, my mom, my dad hosts this nature show, and my mom shoots it. Okay, so we're not that average. And between you and me, something amazing happened. And now I can talk to animals. It's really cool, but totally secret. And you know what? (laughs) Life's never been the same. (laughs) And then finally, (laughs) I love that part. I love I love all the sound bites on Klasky Skippo and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh interestingly there you just yeah, you mentioned they were talking today about um mm. Rugrats and the Wild Thornberries, two um, you know, IPs you may know more for their uh T V shows, but they did both foray into film and then crossover in the epic Rugrats Go Wild. Uh they are both series created by Klasky Chupo. Uh, which is the pronunciation of uh, Gabor Chupo's last name. Um, Mm. Yeah, Arlene Klasky and Gabor Chupo. Um, And also Paul Paul Germain created, um, co-created Rugrats, um, Wild Thornberries. Had uh, a few other co-creators who I'm not going to name. And we're talking about them today, Richard, because this is, of course... Yep. Film franchise fortnights on the Copopch podcast. Well, we, our intro got, got away from us a bit there, but this is mm. our show where Richard and I, AJ, uh, we uh, we study, we 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 diligently study a film franchise for a fortnight, and then come and report it to you. And having um, rolled it randomly last fortnight, we're here to tell you about these four Rugrats slash Wild Thornberries movies, a franchise I was looking forward to, and a lot of people in the Discord were looking forward to. And here we are doing it we're doing we're, we're this is also 
probably should mention this. This is our final episode of Film Franchise Fortnites mm. for a few weeks. For the season. We- for the season. Yeah, for a few for weeks. A- well, we're going on our... Normally, we have our sort of hiatus uh, over December, January, and that's when we do our most disappointing mm. uh, and you know, most anticipated. But mm. they they got delayed partly because we wanted to do the Matrix and partly because I'm, <laughs> fingers crossed, going overseas in just over 48 hours. Mm. Non, you know, negative COVID tests pending, which <laughs> this mm. might date really badly. And, um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hope not, man. <laughs> I'll get you to cut this out. If, if you're hearing this part, I'm in China. If not, this is AJ just like awkwardly deleting it and, and edit. Hi, so AJ. Anyway. <laughs> How's it going? Hi, AJ. <laughs> um, and then maybe we could release that on the Patreon or something. Because ta- we're still taking a break either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, these are based on uh, the Nicks, some of the Nicktoons series. Mm. Uh, Rugrats was the second Nicktoon created. Under that, mm-hmm. that term. Do you know what the first one was? Um, Doug. It was Doug. Yeah. So, yeah, they Doug, Rugrats, and the Ren and Stimpy show premiered on the same mm. night in 1991, but in that order. Um, and yeah. obviously, Rugrats outlasted the other two by quite a bit. Um, it's yep. tied for the eighth longest running. It's tied with King of the Hill for the eighth longest running um, animated show. Ironic, since it's about a very small passage of time in which mm. we are infants um i will warn you i know you've done the research for this episode richard but like just for some reason i have a lot of like spare pieces of rugrats knowledge <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> i've just picked it up over the years but i hadn't seen the movies in a long time so yeah um do you know do you know how many um uh nicktoons there are no tell me uh the sixth the 59th uh just premiered uh, a couple weeks ago uh, and that's mm. called Big Nate. Cool. Is that the Uncharted show? <laughs> <laughs> There's also um, uh, Rugrats uh, as number 55 as well as number two because there's a, a reboot. A reboot Some with sort of horrible noise. Terrifying. Um, it's sort of somewhere between Spider Verse and just regular 3D animation, I think. Yeah. That's what the Rugrats reboot looks like. Very odd. But yeah, so the, the creation of, of Rugrats is somewhat interesting um you sort of forced my hand being like now i I know you've done research on rugrats the series and i I didn't even think to do research on rugrats (laughs) the series but the the creation of of rugrats is kind of interesting so it's like uh the then husband and wife uh gabo chupo and alien klasky along with paul germain were working on a different show um Mm. where when the creator of that show changed uh from classy shupo uh studios to uh film roman and then they said screw the simpsons we're gonna make our own show and they made rugrats uh because they were working on the simpsons in, in its early seasons to be fair that's you know it's not like they they jumped off the the golden you know the golden goose and sunk to the bottom of the mm. ocean like they the rugrats for a long time was perfectly comparable to the simpsons in terms of success so yeah and it's not like um you know the simpsons suffered because of their them leaving in 1991 mm. you can see in some of those early simpsons episodes like that mm. unmistakable uh what are their names again? <laughs> Classic Chupo. Chupo, yeah. Uh, you know, art style, which their sort of um, little mini Nickelodeon universe all 
you know exhibited certain features i'd say the 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 um dominating characteristic of klasky chupo uh cartoons is everyone's really ugly <laughs> yeah and that's apparently, like when they were designing the show they said they wanted the the babies to look interesting more than cute mm. so they're, cool. they're more focused on giving them distinctive designs mm. than um than just looking like cute whittle bubbies Hmm. Uh, but yeah so the first Rugrats movie there's four movies total we're talking about um, two Rugrats ones one the Wild Thornberries one and then one that's both so hmm. uh, the movies are the Rugrats movie from 1998 Rugrats in Paris the movie uh, 2000 and the Wild Thornberries movie 2002 and then Rugrats Go Wild in 2003 so we'll start off without further ado um, hmm. unless you had more fun Rugrats facts you wanted to spout I've got a fun segue if you would like. Okay. So one of the things I know about the Rugrats series is that um, Arlene Klasky uh, was really like shafted by the direction of a lot of the creative decisions that was uh, that were eventually made. And I know one of the things she hated in the series, and I think eventually left the show because of, um, was the uh, character of Angelica, who yeah. she hated as being this this bratty little girl and hated the phrase you dumb babies and thought that that was you know against the spirit of her show um and so if she hated that richard if she hated any kind of sort of even something like a mildly uh, antagonistic force against the babies i can't imagine she likes any of these movies because we are about to talk about four uh, incredibly dark movies about <laughs> babies i think um, apparently I, th- I, I did read about that and I, and I just remember saying that there was a quote from Arlene saying like, she didn't mind Angelica in the Rugrats movie or something like that. Okay. Which is like a, <laughs> that, an, an odd distinction to make. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Mm. Yeah. Like, well, it's like, I think it was kind of like a, Hey, you famously hate Angelica. How do you feel about her in the movie? And she's like, oh, she's fine now. Like, <laughs> um, but also, so, yeah, it's worth mentioning as well. So Rugrats sort of like went off air for a while um there mm. was a, a two or three year period with only released two episodes which was the rugrats passover episode and the rugrats chonica uh, which is two episodes that are like universally praised for and like mm. treat these um, jewish holidays kind of thing and then yeah they, there was like a one year period where rugrats was played oh, like almost 700 times on tv wow. and these these um yeah, these reruns were just so popular they then started making new episodes and sort of that's when they made a deal to mm. to make films. But uh, yeah, Rugrats movie, 1908. This is directed by Igor Kovalov, Kovalyov, um, mm. and Norton Virgin. <laughs> it's a very... F- everyone involved in Rugrats is a Every- very fun name. <laughs> yeah, everyone, like all... Um, the second one's directed by Stig Berkvist. <laughs> Um, which is like B E R G Q V I S T. Wow. It's a very fun name. But yeah, Rugrats movie, what is it about? Uh, okay, so the the kind of like the big the big thing this movie did was introduce Tommy Pickles' little brother Dill. Assuming everybody listening has an approximate knowledge of all the characters in Rugrats. Um 
so yeah, Dill Pickles is born and Tommy struggles to get along with him. Um, and then uh, through a hilarious mishap involving a reptile wagon that their toy invented father, Stu Pickles, has made for like a competition for the reptile company, um, they end up uh, getting uh, lost in the woods with all the babies get lost in the woods. Um, Angelica goes with grabs spike who's the dog and they go to look for uh the characters they go they, the, the adults are going to look for the babies who go on their own little adventure um trying to find a lizard which is what they call a wizard to take them home um they are experience lots of um death defying stunts on the way including um some circus monkeys that have from a, a crashed train uh, and a wolf which nearly eats them um and yeah then they they find the the parents find the babies and everyone's learned to get along a little better yeah had you seen this movie before uh, yeah i'd seen it a couple of times i don't think i saw it at the cinema i think i i remember it being rented on vhs maybe and i remember maybe seven years ago it was pre-podcast i saw it was on netflix or something and was like what is the rugrats movie like and chucked it on having to rewatch it um and then watching it of course for this one as the only times i'd 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 seen it yeah yeah i i did see this in the movies and i hadn't seen it since i was like it was one of these like i know i've seen this and then watching it that like nothing at all was familiar about it and hmm. then there's a scene where the monkeys sing witch doctor by hmm. david seville the fictional uh patriarch of uh, alvin and the chipmunks the song that goes ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ting, ting, walla, walla, hmm. and i was like and and then it was like i i seeing that downloaded the entire film into my brain and it was like hmm. like i didn't recognize anything and then it was like oh my god i see the entire thing now <laughs> and then yeah there's the scene where so the monkeys are like kind of attacking them and they're they're attracted to these like bananas and fucking tommy is getting so <laughs> fucked off with his little brother that he is about to pour fucking bananas on him so that the monkeys mm. will just tear him to shreds mm. um and then when dill's so afraid of the hate in tommy's eyes it's a brutal scene it's fucking brutal <laughs> that was that was another scene where i was like oh fuck i do remember this holy <laughs> shit but i mean yeah so I, I i saw this um what 24 years ago and <laughs> yeah fuck uh, yeah so th like this this genuinely would probably be one of the first movies i ever saw in the cinema wow. the whole way through I, I i cried and got taken out of um pocahontas which right. when did, when did pocahontas I, remember, I remember that story 94 was pocahontas i think or maybe 95 came out it was yeah, 95 yeah yeah uh yeah no i don't think i saw it at the cinemas but i i remembered it well enough and i remember it being um being an odd, an odd kind of movie. What are you? What are your thoughts and opinions on the Rugrats movie? Uh, it's not very good. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it was interesting because Rugrats is is a property that I'm nostalgic for, mm. and yeah, like you know, I grew up watching a lot of Rugrats. But watching the Rugrats movie, I was like, did I just watch it a lot because it was on, or did I actually like it? And mm. and so and because I was like watching these, I was like just getting frustrated with the fact that like the entirety of the plot or like of the jokes are just, Hey, look, they're saying the word wrong. 
like, oh, we got to find this <laughs> That's lizard. That's the heart of the whole and it's the like, show. I, uh, yeah, I've got my sponsitivity, which is instead of responsibility. Mm. And it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, what, but, and then learning that it's like, no, even in, in amongst, you know, Rugrats fans, this isn't considered a good movie. And so it was like, oh, okay, yeah. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, 54%. 59 very close right yeah so yeah yeah what did you think of it i also have nostalgia for rugrats but i am not as jaded as you in a in a rare role reversal from our usual <laughs> positions um i really <laughs> like the the cartoon i have revisited it as an adult a couple of times and i think it's really really brilliant and it's really really um cute and wholesome and and really fun storytelling and has a lot of stuff going for it them pronouncing words wrongs um that's fine that i think that's great here's where i think here's what i think is wrong or here's one of the things i think is wrong at the movie as i said before i think this movie is too dark it is incredibly yeah. dark it is about a Could family it. <laughs> and it's, it's, set at, it's set at dusk for a lot of it it is, a, it is about a family whose infants disappear and the film goes full like and here's how a family would react to their children yeah. going missing it doesn't cartoonify that part it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have them like not truly come to grips with the reality of their babies being missing it is like there is news anchors there's there's like um tim curry actually plays a news anchor mm. um, tim curry in who's in every rugrats film finally <laughs> yeah um and uh i think it's just it's what it is is it's super uncomfortable because you want to watch happy-go-lucky rugrats and now you're having to deal with stew pickles cradling Dee Dee as she's crying in his arms because her two infant children their two infant children have gone missing and, and they it, cut and, to the infant children and one of them's trying to murder the other one <laughs> <laughs> and here's here's what i think is the um the very fine line that the rugrats show walks on and so does this movie but for some reason it works in the show and it doesn't work in the movie and that is almost all the Rugrats plots are based around the the kids the babies wandering off and getting into some kind of trouble and it's often quite quite scary trouble but because Mm. adults don't view it the reality of that trouble is not communicated to the audience so like tommy pickles can like walk nearly fall into the ocean but if Stu or Dee don't see it where and and he gets away without truly understanding the danger of the situation Mm. he was just in like it's like there's one where tommy gets kidnapped but he gets put back home before the parents find out so it's not sad it's just kind of <laughs> it's interesting. just funny it's just funny um and because rugrats in general each rugrats story is like hey what if this thing happened to these babies where if one thing went wrong you the viewer would witness the horrific death of several infants <laughs> <laughs> yeah have the hands of a wolf yeah, or, or or there's a scene where they're in the reptile wagon and it's like it's like gunning down the, the staircase and like going all over the city. It's nearly getting hit by cars. You are one coincidence gone wrong away from seeing all these babies perish. Mm. <laughs> Which is such a freaking dark idea. And I think the the one of the problems with this movie is that the parents are aware of the danger the babies are in, and so the film has no choice but to be like and that would be sad, right? Because the parents would be sad. Whereas if they just didn't know, <laughs> it would be a lot easier to to stomach, I yeah. think. And as well as that, I think there are scenes in this, 
um, there's a scene where Angelica is chasing them and she's she's being dragged along by Spike and they, they she nearly gets hit by a truck which crashes into the forest and she sort of like flies off this cliff and like bashes into a bunch of tree branches as she falls to the fo- the forest floor where she's fine but you and I the viewers as adults know that would kill a three year old in real life like <laughs> that, that would she would be gone she'd be dead. And, and I think all of these things create a really uncomfortable movie. I like the depths it goes to with Tommy um, not knowing how to deal with his little brother. Um, and I think it's got to be the only movie ever made where the message is, you got to just let babies be babies, dude. You can't expect them to show any kind <laughs> of sympathy. Like it's such a specific lesson that Tommy learns that you don't doesn't really apply to any other age. So you don't see it in other movies. Um, and so that I think is what's wrong with this one and what's wrong with gone wild go wild i beg your pardon (laughs) very (laughs) different do not gone wild i need to be very clear on this yeah that's one of the things i don't like about this movie what do you agree do you think that that's (laughs) do you tell me i'm right (laughs) no i just do think it's dark with it was the did it make it it is it is a dark movie um yeah and i mean apart from like you know uh thematically dark it is also um the 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 design of the show has had like a you know mm. it's darkened in a lot of places um they it, mm. m- mostly like um because it, it is you know striking how different a film looks on screen um mm. compared to on a little screen <laughs> and it's like but the, the main difference is it's widescreen and there's shading on the characters yeah it's it's a sharp it looks sharper than the tv mm. show and i i think we'll talk about it later because i think, think someone mentioned it in our yeah. cult elders section i actually like that about the, that the there's a distinct that, difference yeah. that there's yeah that there's a distinction and i think I, the spongebob movies kind of do that as well yeah. and i think that's that's a really fun and yeah. interesting way to take that um it, it is um what, one thing that is actually really interesting i just found out though um on in a similar kind of vein that do you know you know how uh, jimmy neutron uh had uh the movie came first and then the series came afterwards mm-hmm. do you know why that was why uh, i was so that, oh, that can like, i guess i think i do know do you just what? want to tell me oh uh, yeah i'll tell you <laughs> you just tell me <laughs> uh so that because they they pitched the idea and they said oh we'll do a movie and a series and then they said oh cool yeah we'll do a 13 episode series and then that can lead up to the movie and they were like well if we can we make the movie first give us a movie budget to design all the characters and then we're just reusing the assets for the tv show rather than having to try and design assets on a TV show budget. Ah, that's 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 very smart. Yeah, <laughs> very smart animation decision. What um, was, that's not what, what I thought. What did you think? <laughs> I thought it was like they agreed to make the TV show and the movie, and they made them concurrently. But the movie was finished first, so they released that first. I oh, am. Yeah, I thought I thought I'd heard something like that before. But you know, that's that's like super clever to me, mm. and that, that's mm. why for for the time jimmy neutron was able to look a lot better because mm. they're just manipulating things that already spent all this money designing nice yeah so uh, a few things about this if, if you're a rugrats purist um mm-hmm. and you want to know this uh it takes place between seasons five and six of the show wow interestingly this was the first non-disney animated film to gross over 100 million in the u.s in history mm. that is fascinating wow yeah. there's another there's another very fascinating um thing like that uh coming up <laughs> later on which I, we'll can't, get to. I can't wait what a great <laughs> podcast this must be so um yeah pl- plans for a uh, rugrats film adaptation along with ren and stumpy and doug once uh happened uh began in uh 
94, uh, when Nickelodeon made a contract with 20th Century Fox to produce a bunch of films in that time. Uh, mm-hmm. You will notice, however, this film was not made by 20th no, Century Fox. It's Paramount. It is Paramount. Um, so the contract expired with no films made. Um, and then uh, Paramount uh, Viacom purchased Paramount in 94 mm. which is also on Nickelodeon and mm. so the um, production restarted but um, yeah I don't think we ever got a Ren Stimpy movie although there is Doug's first movie which was eventually <laughs> so very ambitious title <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, the, uh, so Doug was a Nickelodeon show but then uh, Disney made Doug's first movie that's right yeah back in the day when it was just the wild west for <laughs> IP ownership <laughs> yeah yeah what is um, Doug's first movie there is I not dog's first movie. God, Dugs. Channing Tatum's got taken care of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was just. Um, oh, it was. It's based on the Disney produced episodes of the Nickelodeon animated series. Doug. Mm, only the Disney canon. Yeah, weird. So they, uh, but yeah, very ambitious title as you mentioned. Um, despite the name, never has there been a second Doug movie. <laughs> That'll be on the all over the trivia section for oh, Doug's yeah, yeah. first movie. <laughs> We the the speaking of trivia, uh, we do have we've talked before about doing a dumb IMDb mo- uh, trivia the movie episode mm. of this podcast. This is a there's so much dumb IMDb trivia wow. um, for these, but I just have a couple more things to add. Um, Paul Germain, who I mentioned, is one of the creators of Rugrat, along with um, Klasky and Tupo. I uh, didn't like the film. He left after he left. He was the showrunner for three seasons before he went to work for Disney. Mm. He said he felt that the writers of the movie did not understand what the series was about and thought that moments such as Stu giving a watch to Tommy did not work uh, as the adults are not supposed to recognize the baby's intelligence. In addition, he felt that by giving Tommy a baby brother, Tommy was no longer the baby, which changed the story of the series from what Jermaine intended it to be. Interesting thing about the watch that is like, you you wouldn't give your fucking one year old a watch no, unless you, you knew he was intelligent. <laughs> yeah, he gives him a watch to be like you know it's it's got it's a, what's it like a locket? What's a compass, isn't it? And it's, it's a sponsitivity. It's, it's a sponsitivity. It's to to represent his the you know that he has to look after Dill. Mm. Who's your favorite Rugrat? Probably Chucky, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm either Phil and or Lil. I think the voice acting on mm, those two up. characters is so funny, and I want to talk about the voice acting maybe a bit later on. But um, uh, the amount of like me and my friend Jack have this joke where we'll just be like Philip Lillian, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like saying uh-uh, say, Philip <laughs> Lillian, Lillian. Um, I think that that Phil has so many fantastic like last lines of a scene yeah, yeah. And, and like there's, there's there's one in this movie where he's talking they're talking about a wolf because they heard a wolf and like we watched this movie where this little girl got eaten by a wolf and they're like oh my god then she's just like uh she got out well they they got her out and it's so <laughs> it's so funny and i just think that they're they're such great um it's it's a great idea to make your show about babies and then assign the ones that eat worms and do gross shit to like a pair of twins i think is, is a really fun mm. um dynamic and i think you know obviously tommy and chucky are, the, are like especially across the movies sort of share the protagonist role i'd say chucky is the protagonist of the second film whereas tommy's the protagonist of the first and third or first and crossover i should say um whereas phil and lil never get that spotlight which is is a shame there is an episode of the show that i really like though called twins peak um which is very funny (laughs) (laughs) 
it's also just just talking about film lol as well there was um the very funny controversy <laughs> um in with the reboot that they like explicitly made Phil and Lil's mum a lesbian, Betty DeVille. Mm. And it's like, she's to the point where it's almost an offensive stereotype. She's a lesbian in the original series as well. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah, because they, yeah, they, that's often a fan theory because she's, you know, not to be regressive, but exhibits several stereotypes of what you'd imagine a, a um, sort of butch lesbian character would be like. And mm. her husband, Howard, um, the, the twin's father is very submissive and, you know, and I think I think I can imagine in the '90s conceiving those characters and being like, "We'll make the the wife wear the pants and the husband be the." Well, I think it's like this. This was this was in you know '91 or whatever. This was mm. what a feminist looked like. You know, like this right, is, this sure. this was their like we're gonna make the mum like a feminist. So she's got like the female symbol on her shirt and mm. wears the pants in the relationship kind of thing. But mm. it's like yeah it's it's yeah it's just very like um similar to like the um what's his face from uh beauty and the beast it's a lefou lefou yeah that they're like oh we make him gay and it's like no lefou is my bastion of masculinity (laughs) that it's like um uh, you probably you know (laughs) you can make lefou gay it's fine yeah so, so yeah, is Howard in the reboot then? Uh, no, she's a single mum in the in the reboot. Wow! So they fucking killed off a character. That's brutal. He, he's yet to appear in the revival series. Yeah. Wow. I also I didn't realize. I think that um, Phil and Lil were voiced by the same person. Yeah, yeah. What's their yeah. name? It's uh, uh, Kath Susie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Who also voices um, Betty? Yeah. Yeah, so it's essentially the same voice, but one is lower and one is higher and pitiful. <laughs> yeah, but I because because it's both voices are ones that she's used in other things, and you and you go, oh, that's Phil, oh, that's Lil, but the uh, I don't think I realised that it was actually the mm. same person. So that's very fun. Uh, so yeah, couple new segment we've got here. Uh, one mm. which still, if you've got a better name for it, shout it out. Uh, this is called French Wise, and that's not God. Wise W I S E. That is French W H Y S question mark. So this is the why of the franchise, and so it's like, uh, yeah, why why did this? The, you normally we talk about like you watch the first movie, you're like, what about this sparked a franchise, mm. and. I mean, with this one, it's like this came from a very specific time where I think mm. theatrical uh, movies for your TV shows were all the rage. Mm. And this kind of maybe even ushered in that that period. So this is, this is very much the, the why of this franchise is a lot more due to its ties to television than this film. Mm. Well, one thing I will say on French Wise, though, is that I was of the belief that this is one of those like franchises by virtue where it's not really that they made a series of movies. It's more that the Rugrats, they made a Rugrats movie. SpongeBob feels like this. Mm. It feels like they just made SpongeBob movies and not within, in terms of like thinking of them as sequels or anything. But, but, um, the Rugrats in Paris begins with a parody. Mm. We'll get to it. Begins with a parody of the Godfather and the title changes to Rugrats 2 with the godfather mm. like um which i thought was an interesting decision because you could just have it be rugrats in the godfather font because yeah, the yeah. parody's godfather one but so they, <laughs> yeah. they they go out of their way to be like this is the second rugrats movie 
Yeah. Uh, so, as I mentioned, they've got a lot of dumb IMDb trivia to get through on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, dumb IMDb trivia is a segment where we look at the uh, user-submitted pieces of trivia from IMDb, the Internet Movie Database. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, quite often because anyone can, can write anything, uh, they're quite dumb. Sometimes this is because they're factually inaccurate, which we've mm. got here today. Uh, sometimes it's because they're... Um, badly written which we've got here today sometimes they just sound insane which we've also got we've got like every flavor of diamond IMDb wow across this episode you can to illustrate how dumb imdb trivia is you could literally go to it right now and you could enter the piece of trivia cult popture podcast host alexander jones says his favorite character in rugrats is phil and lil and that could be submitted no one mm. would stop you from doing that yeah there is um we we do exist. I wonder if we're still in there. I'm going to check it quickly. Check a Barbie. Um, give me a Barbie. I think film. we're in we're in every Barbie one. Um, What's the name of Barbie film? Princess Charm School. <laughs> Barbie Princess. See if that we've been taken off the IMDb dumb IMDb trivia for Barbie Princess Charm School. If we're not in this one, we are going to have to check other Barbie movies. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, here we go. In an attempt to heal the nation on February 14th, 2021, podcast hosts Richard Martin and Alexander AJ Jones of the Cold Publisher Podcast released an 18 hour comprehensive podcast reviewing the 37 Barbie films. The retrospective took over a month to prepare and features numerous guest speakers as well as an original song created specifically for the podcast. Two out of three found this interesting. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> now All right, get, uh, give me yeah. my Rugrats movie, Dumb IMDb Trivia. All right, so uh, Dill was originally going to be voiced by Madonna. But when oh, Tara God. Strong recorded her scratch voice for the character, her impression of a baby crying was so accurate that it caused a woman in the room who had just had a baby to start lactating. I do. I feel like I've heard that before. That must <laughs> be just, like a famous IMDb trivia. It's, it's mentioned like three times on the thing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just what an insane thing to say. I mean, Tara Strong, who doesn't play any of the other characters. Uh, does she not? Tara Strong. Yeah, she's Dell. Yeah. So she's just, she came in to very famous voice actress, very successful voice actress, just came in to do a scratch track for a character. She might be, um, she might have been, um, like, there's a word for it, but it's like additional voices. Essentially. She, she, what it, what it will have been was they said, right, Tara will play Dill in the TV show, but we'll get Madonna for the movie. Um, no, what well, like so? If I look at when her sort of, um, when did her career start? Because, um, yeah, there's I watched a documentary about, um, it's called uh, I Know That Voice, and it's about voice acting, mm. and they all say that like people say, how do you get your start in, um in voice acting and there's a word for it but it's essentially like you just have to go on and do these but it's essentially like additional voices so you show up and it's like we need a crowd so Mm. you get 30 people in and just get them to talk randomly and then oh there's a a bus passenger that that says Mm. excuse me and we just need a a random voice and it's like that's how you get your start is doing that and everyone and all of them are just like fucking hate doing it but that's how you Uh that's where you start so it's like she might have this might have been at that point in her career i don't know right but um, so another piece of trivia: Charlotte almost makes an innuendo when she says the phrase "Born under Venus, look for a dot dot dot" before she is cut off. 
Mm-hmm. That is the joke, but it's like it's yeah, almost it's makes it innuendo. As well. <laughs> that it's like don't not even say what the innuendo would be. It's obviously this would be penis. I know what it is. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I know what they were going to say there. <laughs> so this is um, th- there's another one that's like removed from anything else. This is just a dumb piece of trivia. So this is for Rugrats movie. This is the only time viewers got to see Cat Dog in theaters. <laughs> Because there was a cat dog short played before. Ah, right. <laughs> but without that, it's a very weird piece of trivia. I missed cat dog in this movie. Mm. The name Dill Pickles is obviously a play on the phrase Dill Pickles. It's so obvious. Don't mention it. It's, it's, it's actually, it's actually um, borderline acknowledged in the film as to why they name him Dill. Mm. <laughs> uh, the, this is the only Rugrats film to not release in the 21st century. Which is factually inaccurate because the sequel came out in 2000, which wasn't part of the 21st century. Because centuries and millennia, like the the third millennium, and you know, if you talk about like that, Mm. but if you're talking explicitly about the 21st century, uh, Mm. yeah, that started in 2001. Or imagine trying to explain any of that to one of the Rugrats. They'd be like mispronouncing millennia and century all over the place. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, obviously, this is the. The only Rugrats film to not release in the 2000s, mm. but not in the 21st century, sorry. Mm. But obviously, when we're talking about decades, that starts on the year, unless you're talking about, it's the 200th decade, which no one mm. does. So, and then here's a couple, just for good measure, some that are just poorly written. In true Rugrats fashion. Yeah. Originally, Kimmy was going to appear in the series and in the movie Girl Who with Angelica and Susie, they lost with the babies in the reptile wagon. But then they deleted Kimmy from the movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What even is that sentence? <laughs> and also, so like every word is capitalized uh, up until appear. And then there's like none except like girl and with is capitalized. That's actually a situation where it's like IMDb, get your shit together <laughs> yeah. and start deleting this garbage. <laughs> and another one, Bob Camp and Butch Hartman was going to be the directors of the film. In the original story, the circus was the main antagonist and the climax told about Chucky, Phil and Lil going to the circus and trying to escape for a reunion with Tommy and Dill, but the brothers with Angelica and Spike come to him. Camp and Hartman was eliminated as directors by problems in the script because the co-director, Kathy Malkassian, want they rewrit the script, but Camp and Hartman refused. Oh my god, what the fuck are these people talking about? It's like pieces of information, but then, and I'm like, okay, I get, and then somewhere along, I just completely lose understanding Hmm. of- I mean, um, Butch Hartman uh, co-directing at one point is interesting, (laughs) if true. But yeah. yeah, that is uh, just an insane, you know, no fucking punctuation and words capitalized seemingly at random. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a few years later, we had Rugrats in Paris, the movie Rugrats 2, <laughs> I guess is the full title. Uh, Timber 2000, directed, as I mentioned, by Stig Berkvist and Paul mm. DeMeyer. What mm. do you think this is on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, 72%. 76%. You're very good today. Mm, thank you. <laughs> so in this film, the, so the first film mentioned that the reptile wagon was being built for like a toy convention in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in this film, uh, the Rugrats go to a kaiju themed uh, theme park. They meet sumo waiters. And, uh, you know, at the end of the film, they come home with uh, 
Chucky's dad comes home with a Japanese wife and, and Chucky is a new Japanese sister. Uh, the film is set in Paris. <laughs> it's, yeah. Do you want to go into more any more detail about what it's about? or? Um, no, I mean, that's basically it. But yeah, as you're indicating, somewhere it seems very late into production, someone high up was like, no, it has to be set in Paris and not Japan. Because not only is those things you mentioned, the entire film has got like this Japanese aesthetic. There's a scene where Chucky has a dream that he's a martial arts expert named Chucky chan mm-hmm. um which the is only... actually uh jacob chan's father's name charles chan mm. oh there you go yeah. um the only uh the only parisian stuff in it is that they for some reason take their dog to paris mm. with them and he with, chases... with like with a few hours notice as well like, <laughs> they, like Stu they... gets a call in the middle of the night which is like cut you to be in paris tomorrow they're like oh, better get the dog <laughs> better get the dog can't find... and all my friends and this mm. is this reminded me of in um high school musical 2 how he gets yeah, the yeah, summer yeah. job and then he's like can i can i hire everyone from my class including people i'm not even friends with to come <laughs> work here as well like what like in real life only Stu would go i can believe that maybe he could bring his family but why is he bringing like the devils <laughs> yeah they're just friends they're just neighbors they're not even like yeah. related to them <laughs> yeah because yeah, Ange- angelica worth mentioning is tommy's cousin because mm. angelica's dad is Stu, tommy's yeah. dad's brother yeah yeah um and so the the kind of crux of this movie is chucky uh wants a mum because his mum famously canonically died and some very touching there's a very touching scene from the cartoon series um in which chucky learns about his mum and and talks about how he knows she's still with him it's very beautiful and some of that comes over here into into this movie there's a song by um is it cindy lauper who sings uh, i want a mom who lasts forever <laughs> i want a mom together um oh, yeah, i do want to talk about the music at some point as well um yeah. and yeah and and so that's sort of i think that's why this is without any <laughs> protest the best rugrats movie of the of the three it's not a gold star franchise no, <laughs> um, because it has like quite a sweet emotional core to it it's still very weird it's not as dark um the the film ends with um chucky and the babies uh piloting a, a reptile sized evangelion uh, unit yeah. to go and stop the wedding which is happening in the during the timeline of the trip yeah. where chucky's dad is marrying like the wrong woman mm. coco labouche uh, yeah. voiced by susan sarandon in her first uh g-rated film Oh, interesting. Um, John uh, Lithgow also plays her like minion. Yeah, his first animated film. Yeah. Um, so he so they're piloting this this reptile robot through Paris. Um, and it's like it, it's yeah, and, and it's uh so like if you move your arm, it moves its arm. It's like yeah, it's a, like Pacific what, Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a mech. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um. The reason I think, while ridiculous, this works far better than the first and Go Wild is that the parents don't know it's happening. It's what I said yeah. before. You're watching this ridiculously dangerous thing, but the parents don't find out about it. And There's no one to react. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's no one to, to react how scary this would be in real life, and so you can enjoy that more, I think. Um, 
And yeah, I like this one. I I think it's not perfect. And the Paris Japan thing. I hope you got to the bottom of that, Richard, because I'd be dying to know what the deal is. With uh, IMDb trivia is the only place that mentions it, and it says it's a fan theory. But it's so obvious. It's but so obvious, the yeah, the so. thing is, I the would, thing I is, you know that like um the Coco Labouche is like being like a. Um, which it feels like a sort of um, Devil Wears Prada kind of character mm. and like it feels like a fashion designer she's not but it's like um, she feels quite Parisian but even yeah. then it's like you could put her in Japan and it's like yeah. you have it one character be out of place than the entire yeah. movie be out of place yeah I'm because I'm just stuck with like why why did they change it from Japan mm. to Paris it, it's someone somewhere along the way said Paris is more marketable what's well, it I don't think it would be now, would it? Because, because also they 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 fucking they encounter a bidet, which is like a famously. I mean, the word is French. I'll give you that, but like <laughs> that, like the fancy toilets are such mm. a Japanese thing. Like mm. anything where they go to Japan, they talk about how fancy the toilet is, and they do it in this. But they're like, this is the only one where I've actually seen it in France, despite the fact that mm. bidets are technically French. Very strange, very strange stuff. Um, but we're introduced to Kimmy and Kira, who is um. Mm. Marking this our second franchise, which features a character named Keta in a film that probably should take place in Tokyo <laughs> after the American Death Note. <laughs> yeah, and our second franchise in which a surprisingly young protagonist pilots an Ava to find their mommy um, after <laughs> yeah. Neon Genesis Evangelion. I think that um, that this is this is a lot of fun. This one, I think, and aside from issues which plague the all the whole every movie um i think that this feels a lot more in line with the vision of the show i feel like jermaine what's his name he would have no uh yeah uh, paul 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 jermaine yeah yeah he would have probably approved of this one a bit more um so yeah Mm. i like this one i think it's sweet yeah i don't know it's just generally like a a better movie again i saw this one in the cinema and i I, this one I, I remembered a lot clearly like i remembered the rip, mm. the reptile ava mm. and stuff some negative reviews mentioned that it's inappropriate for a children's film to tip its hat to um r-rated movies like the godfather and a few good men <laughs> which is funny but uh, yeah. interestingly so the the um coco labouche and her henchmen um and the entire rugrats franchise they're the first villains Oh, whatever. There's been, like, the big baby <laughs> from that one, where Tommy gets bullied by a big baby. Um, well, there's, like, there's antagonistic forces, and, like, there's, like, the wolf in the first one. But, mm. yeah, there's no, like, explicit human villains who actually, mm. you know, have dastardly plans up until this point. And the show had been on for, like, nine years at this point. What about the one where Chucky thinks he's dreaming about Tommy and Tommy turns around, he's got a big nose and goes, I'm not Tommy. <laughs> You're telling me that's not a villain? <laughs> uh, yes, I am. So uh, this was the original voice of Chucky. This was uh, her final movie role, Christine Kavanagh. She retired in acting from acting in 2003 after being diagnosed with chronic myelogenous leukemia and was replaced by nancy cartwright hmm. the voice of bart simpson starting with rugrats go wild and the rest of the rugrats the series but um, interestingly so she yeah she she retired in 2003 to due to being diagnosed but passed away in 2014 huh interesting yeah. she could have voiced rug chucky in all of these things mm. <laughs> so yeah any anything else you want to say or should i be able to some more cl- love loving dine imdb trivia 
the one I anticipated to be the one you know that that we talk about the most because it's the only good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like we have, I mean that's always the way we always say that. It's, always the, it's it's the ones we have the least. The ones we like are the ones we have the least to say about. I will say it's not perfect. Um, there's a needle drop of "Who Let the Dogs Out" uh, mm. that feels very two thousand. Like popularized that song. Like this, Yo, the, yeah. You're joking. Yeah, no, they, like, the uh, song wasn't written for the film, but it's very much, like, the only reason you've heard that song is because of Rugrats in oh, Paris. Wow, interesting. I, I mean, like, I, I uh, uh, All Star by Smash Mouth, like, I guess it's probably kind of similar to All Star to Shrek kind of thing where it's like right. it wasn't written for Shrek. It's not, and it was it was for Mystery Man, actually. Right. But it's, like, the reason it's still a thing to this day is because of its use in Shrek. Mm, okay did you just try and turn your light on and it the bulb broke? <laughs> yeah no it's just the faulty wiring in the house damn yeah did you want to talk about the music because i fucking all, all three of these movies why well, the all three of the Rugrats movies kind of try flirt with the idea of being musicals and yes. the, the music just fucking sucks and all of them. <laughs> okay i'm glad you brought this up so all three Rugrats movies have this thing where like the music in it will either be like piss poor original mm. tracks like like i'm talking like land before time bad um original mm. songs um or they'll jukebox musical it and have like slightly altered versions of and- yeah 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 um and both both tactics i think don't work at all like either have it all be a jukebox musical which would be kind of interesting i guess or have it be original songs or just don't because they're clearly not prepared to write good tracks for these movies the um i'd say the best song in the series is the song in the in like the the infant ward in the hospital in the first movie where they that all the newborn babies sing like this world is something new to me that's the closest it gets to like oh they're making it a musical and then um and this one you get like the cindy lauper song which isn't even sung diegetically like it's 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 just playing in the background <laughs> and you get them singing songs in the background that happens in um and go wild as well and it's just it's just it feels what what i think is wrong with it is it feels like it feels half-assed but it also feels like a betrayal of the tone of rugrats and there are scenes there's a scene in the in the go wild where spike is uh swimming in the ocean to try and save the day grab a grab a flotation device to save the day and the music is like this you know orchestral quote-unquote like swelling of you know and it's epic and it's like this should so clearly be the the approach taken to all the music i don't think it should be um you know chaos is happening while you're listening to yeah yeah yo yippee yo yippee yay like it doesn't fit it and it ages the movie and i think that it just yeah i wish there was more original music especially because the rugrats music is like kind of iconic in and of itself but and like the 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 um the tv show the tv show score is like all acapella like bum, you know that sort of thing and that's not done in the movies at all i don't think yeah i'd be remiss also to mention um because i know uh like my my mom listens to this episode because she you know obviously took me to go see the Mm. first two movies um that she'll text me and be like can't believe you didn't mention this as uh when i was you know very young 
uh Rugrats is on here. Okay. The, the show the um the title of the episode would come up and I would go, what's it say? What's it say? What's it say? And someone would have to like run into the room and read it out to me or I'll be so pissed off. You've told this story before. That's really interesting. I can't remember the... I can't remember when you told the story before. Mm. It wasn't for a while, but I mean, it, it was it was Rugrats was specifically the show that it happened with. I mm. I vaguely want to say that it also happened with Thomas the Tank Engine, mm. but uh, yeah, there you go. So that's nice. I once couldn't read. <laughs> Put that on the IMDb trivia, I reckon. <laughs> you were Richard. You were once no better than the Rugrats themselves. <laughs> this thing that you hate about them. So here's some dumb IMDb. Dion Kwan is legally blind. She has never seen what her character Kimmy looks like. <laughs> oh, the the voice actress. The voice actress who plays Kimmy. Ah, oh, right. I don't know. It's it's just a thing to point out. <laughs> like yeah, they're like oh, she, she's blind. It's like that means she has no idea what her character looks like. <laughs> Very a blind voice actress. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, just I don't know. It feels like it d- didn't need to be said. Yeah, it's, it's like rubbing salt on the wound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paramount and Nickelodeon's movies, first sequel to one of their movies, in this case, the Rugrats movie, oh. and it was only the only sequel oh. until Rugrats Go Wild. This made Rugrats the only Nicktoon to have more than one movie, movie adaptation until SpongeBob SquarePants with the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water. Cool. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot consciously deny any of the things said in that mm. sentence. I feel like I wrote that down because it was wrong. I don't know, I can't remember. And this was the last Rugrats movie released in November. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Who found that? How many people found that interesting? <laughs> I didn't write it down. But anyway, no, moving on to okay. now... Switching IPs to the wild mm. thornberries. Uh, and don't worry, mm. we'll be seeing our little Rugrat friends in just a moment. But mm. uh, the wild thornberries movie came out in 2002. This is directed by Kathy Malkassian, uh, who we had mentioned before in that unintelligible piece of IMDb trivia, mm-hmm. and Jeff McGrath. Uh, this has 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. So the, wow. the highest rated film we're talking about today. It's also the only one nominated for an Oscar. Did you know that? What did. What for? Uh, it had a song in it called Father and Daughter by Paul Simon, which was nominated for Best Original Song. I was wondering if that was from the Wild Thornberries movie. That's so funny. Yeah. It lost to Lose Yourself by Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only time that Wild Thornberries was ever put in competition with Eminem. In any, yeah. In well, you'd way. think, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is this movie about? Uh, so the Wild Thornberries, they're a family that, that make a nature show together. Yeah, we, we explained um, it at the start when I recited That's there, true, yeah. Um, and this one, uh, Eliza is like somewhat responsible for a, a cheetah cub getting kidnapped by poachers. Um, and then this makes the, this, you know, lets the cat out of the bag that she's often sneaking out to hang out with animals. So, um, the grand mumsy, who's Nigel Thornberry's mother, insists she goes to an English boarding school, uh, where the film stops being as interesting as it was up until this point for about 
20 minutes where she's having to survive the you know she's she's at home on the savannah but put her in a distinguished boarding school and she doesn't know how to do anything um but she has a dream that the shaman who originally granted her the power to speak to animals she has a dream that he tells her that she needs to go back to africa to save um tally who's the name of this cheetah cub and so she um sneaks her way back into africa uh, where she meets two pre- uh, husband and wife team who are presumably um also like nature documentarians um and while and she like runs into them a couple of times while trying to find this cub she eventually finds out that they are the poachers that kidnapped the cub and their plan is to um electrocute a bunch of elephants who are all gathering in one area for an eclipse uh and eliza saves the day and in doing so um when the bad guy played brilliantly i thought by uh rupert everett in a <laughs> pre pre prince charming role um was it pre yeah it would have been pre um she has to reveal that the reason she knows all the stuff she knows is that because she can talk to animals which lets debbie in on the secret and at the end of the movie she gets her powers back um and yeah that's the movie is that a good summation of the movie? She saves right. the day, saves the elephants, gets her powers back. Gets Debbie the crowd, maybe saves the town and Mr. Krabs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Criminally underuses Nigel Thornberry, I thought. Yeah, he actually doesn't say smashing the entire film. Wow. I this this movie and Go Wild um really shines a light on not only how brilliant of a voice actor tim curry can be mm. but how much of a gift nigel thornberry as a character <laughs> yeah i think not it's it's such a perfect marriage of performance and design and character like personality and i just i love how much oomph tim curry puts into every single delivery which like the animation then has to follow you know like the line will be like uh oh, um get 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 photo of this marianne i'll be like get a photo of this marianne <laughs> and like the the animation has to follow those little ticks that he does and it's so brilliant and i just really love Nigel Thornberry after yeah. watching these two last two movies that it's so great um and yeah and I think um so 80% on Ron Tomatoes I think mm. I could pr- pr- pretty comfortably say this is the best movie of the four yeah I, I, I guess um it has similar problems to the Rugrats and that it has it feels like it needs to be a needle drop movie but the needle drop songs aren't as like I think the problem with the Rugrats ones is like I've heard these songs, like these are famous songs. Mm. Whereas the Wild Thornberrys one feels more like actually picked for them, and I mean one was written for the yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. What what do you think of this? Uh, yeah, it's good. I I I think I'm pretty sure I'd seen it before. This is I I probably saw this one on TV. I think I, I hadn't. I hadn't seen it before. Oh, yeah, interesting. I hadn't seen it before. And then in the in Go Wild, when Debbie meant when Eliza just casually mentions to Debbie that she can speak to animals. Remember, I remember being like, "What the fuck?" Mm. <laughs> as a as a ten year old. <laughs> yeah, there's one. See, there was one season made after the movie where Debbie knows about Eliza's power. Ah, okay. And and that was the the end of the show. But yeah, the the show ends because they, the foundation who's like in charge of the, their show, mm. requests that Shane G, a teenage rocker, joins the Thornberries, <laughs> and so they're in like Alaska for most of it. And then both Debbie and Eliza fall in love with Shane, but then turns out Shane falls for Eliza, and they like 
share a kiss and that's the end of the series. And so we- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Weird into the series. That is a weird into the wild thornberries. This is yeah, he's voiced by the less problematic Masterton brother, uh, Christopher who's Francis ah, from um, Malcolm, in Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, Wild Thornberries, there's not as much uh, in terms of like the production. It's the 11th Nicktoon, uh, mm-hmm. interestingly. And it was part of the pitch was Nickelodeon was looking for shows that didn't focus or didn't solely focus on the children. So this one had more of a focus on the family and the parents uh, than, mm. the, than the Nicktoons up until that point, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. I yeah I liked the show a, a, a bit. I didn't. I don't think I liked it as much as Rugrats, but maybe it just came out at the wrong time. But I'll say this: in terms of the movies, the high octane adventure um, mode kind of suits Wild Thornberries a lot better than it suits Rugrats. Like I'm not. I'm not crippled with panic watching the babies try and outrun a wolf. Whereas, uh, well, like, well, sorry, I am crippled with panic watching that. Whereas watching like Eliza Thornberry, who can talk to animals and often gets involved in these sorts of situations, I think it, it makes a lot more sense to give this one sort of a grandiose story than it does to give Rugrats a grandiose story. Yeah, because what's your like relationship with the Wild Thornberries TV show? Were you a big fan? No, I didn't really watch it. Um, oh, so, no, I did watch it. I, I I feel like it wasn't like appointment viewing. I guess. But I was aware of it, and it was on, and I'd catch it sometimes. I don't know why, because I quite like the concept. Hmm. Yeah, I I watched it yeah quite a bit. I think there was I remember there was an episode where they go to uh, Rotorua. Yes, I remember that episode as well. And they they take place in like a hui, and um, she falls. Uh, Eliza falls for a young Maori boy. I'm not sure if that episode handles everything in the best possible way. I think it's from <laughs> memory because also the, a rocket power. There was an episode where they mm, another Klaski Chupo. Yeah, they had a guy come in who was like a surfer from New Zealand. He's like, G'day, lads. I just came here from New Zealand. I was just t- took a break from putting shrimp on the barbie. And he's got like the Australian flag on his board. And he's How do you from get it New that Zealand. wrong? Yeah. How do you get it that but wrong? But then they also did, there was a, a, a rocket power TV film called Race Across New Zealand, which is where they, they travel to New Zealand to participate in the Junior Waikikamuka Games, which is. <laughs> Not a real place. <laughs> That's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so it is like the idea of of because because why kick a moo cow? It's obviously as in why kick a moo cow. It also you know like the due to the consonants and vowels, it sounds like a Māori word. But it's it, it has a Wikipedia page. Apparently, it's a generic name for a small rural town or locality in New Zealand. And Kiwis apparently use the name as a placeholder for any town. So it is one of those like kind of done their Timbuktu. research yeah mm. which uh yeah Timbuktu another place uh didn't really realize it was um wasn't a real place it actually Timbuktu was a real mm. place though also enough about rocket power just jumping back to wild thornberries as well I Please. some people might be uh sitting there at home fuming listening to this that we haven't covered something called uh the origins of Donnie 
Uh, I did look this up last night. Which yeah. was the first four episodes of season four, which was only six episodes long. The sixth episode actually is the um is the Māori one. And the fifth episode's guest starred Jane Goodall, so um I've seen that one. I remember that one, yeah. The um uh yeah, it was like a telly movie. It was four episodes. Then yeah, it was it was kind of like a television event. We don't count it as a movie. Mm. Uh although mm. apparently the, the um just on movies versus uh tv movies apparently that race across new zealand by rocket power is rumored to have been uh at one point considered for theatrical relief because it release it does the kind of like shading and stuff that we mentioned yeah. it makes the movies look more cinematic uh so it's like clearly had a higher budget i guess mm. yeah do you have anything else you want to say about uh the wild thornberries movie? i i think that that um were you caught off guard by how powerful rupert everett's performance was this as the villain uh didn't notice it was him oh well he's he's the blonde poacher guy i just thought like like while while rugrats had the rugrats movie have these like kind of like flashes of like you wouldn't get this in the tv show i really felt (laughs) (laughs) i really felt the power of the wild thornberries movie with with this character was threatening to throw debbie off a cliff and he's in a like the middle Mm. of like a lightning storm and he's like where you get your information from it felt like he was taking the movie too seriously compared to all the other voice actors and i think that results in something feeling quite uh mm. powerful except for <laughs> um tim curry obviously yeah of course sorry yes <laughs> uh interesting like uh reggie and thunder uh two characters in this film probably animals i don't remember them but they're voiced by roger l jackson who's the uh the voice of Ghostface. Ah, uh, Rod, uh, Reggie was the gorilla and Thunder was the horse. Oh yeah, he's also the voice of uh, Mojo Jojo, so <laughs> probably probably more his connections to, to that that got him the gig than his, his work as Ghostface. <laughs> nice. So this is, uh, you got some more Domain Debut trivia here. Mm-hmm. This is the only movie from Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon to feature a character who turned out to be the main villain of the movie. This didn't happen again until Dora and the Lost City of Gold, really 17 years later <laughs> in 2019. That means someone added that in 2019. <laughs> so what are they saying? That that the villain is like a twist reveal? I guess, yeah. Because that is, I did think that was quite dark for, for a Nicktoon mm, movie. That it was um, Marianne Thornberry. Imagine that. All oh, right, <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> there is um, uh, not only is Grand Mumsy in it, but also Nigel's dad, also voiced by Tim Curry, mm. and I very much enjoyed. <laughs> uh, and this is Kevin Michael Richardson's first and only time starring in an animated feature film from Paramount and Nickelodeon until the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water released thirteen years later. Wow, his only time <laughs> apart from this other time, and also he's in fucking Rugrats in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even true it's also like i'm sure we've talked about this before because dumb imdb trivia is rife with it but like it's not it's not interesting if someone is the first if it's the first time someone has done this very specific thing mm. with all these qualifiers attached, attached yeah. to. this is the first time we've covered a an animated franchise that is two separate franchises um clashed together that were based on tv shows that star that kevin michael richardson <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, moving on to the fourth and final film we're here to talk about, Rugrats Go Wild. <laughs> Rugrats Gone Wild. Uh, so yeah, this came out in 2003, directed by Norton Virgin and John Ng. 
Uh, what does this have has on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> like names from another universe, yeah. man. Like, um, I reckon this will this will have like twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. It's not very good. What's it about? <laughs> uh, so they the characters are all ready to go on uh, the Rugrats. Sorry, um, the parents and the Rugrats are all ready to go with their dog um, on a. On Lipschitz Cruise, Lipschitz, as fans of the show will know, is the like the alternative medicine doctor that yeah. like baby doctor that Dee Dee Pickles swears by. Also, um, like, and like I'll just say, can I just say about Lipschitz? The idea of Lipschitz shouldn't be a character you ever see. Sure, yeah, because you see him in, in, or at least they they meet him in this. Yeah, but you see, he's seen occasionally in the series, but the the way he's talked about. Mm. feels like he should be one of these famously just off sc- off-screen characters. Yeah, yeah. I like how, how it also implies that Dee Dee would probably be pretty anti-vax, I think. <laughs> <laughs> because, like... Well, it depends on what Lipschitz says. Well, it's a holistic... The, the hospital that Dill is born in is a holistic, um, like, alternative medicine hospital where, the, you know, you can get born on a farm, in a farm room or mm. something like that. And I was like, this does, this this has a different tone in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, they get to the, they get to this cruise and then, oh my God, it's leaving without them. And it turns out Stu Pickles um, assumed that, what, to like 15 people in his party <laughs> would be okay with with instead of going on a cruise going on a on a little tugboat that is too small for any more than four people um and so they go on this tugboat instead and they're trying to catch up to the cruise and everyone's mad at Stu. and then the so. yep yeah, and then the there's a typhoon or something and the boat crashes um we get a harrowing sequence where several babies are about to get swept out to sea (laughs) um but eventually they they shipwreck on a deserted island which which, wikipedia says is possibly in polynesia okay cool (laughs) um and on this island surprise surprise are the wild thornberries and split up into various camps um who are there filming uh trying to find a a cloudy leopard or something as their is the animal that they're trying to film um yeah clouded leopard it's also established that that nigel thornberry is tommy pickles's hero um and we get probably the best scene nigel strawberry yeah, yeah, we get the best scene in the whole series and the whole movie, which is the opening where he's pretending to be Nigel Thornberry, and I thought that was very charming and a very mm. cute way to to melt the universes together, um, and it it promises a height that we do not reach again. Um, the the movie basically like decides which uh of these two Rugrats or Thornberry's characters would be the funniest to pair together for most of the movie. So you get um. D, uh, Angelica and Deborah, Eliza's bratty older sister. <laughs> they, um, or Debbie, sorry. They, um, they hang out because um, the the movie seems very keen to shine a light on the fact that they're essentially the, the same character. Mm. Um, and uh, Donnie and who's the the we found him the wild boy, um, him the and Chucky. Of the thornberries. <laughs> him and Chucky like um you know, have an altercation and Nigel um, finds the rest of the babies after falling off a cliff and knocking his head, causing him to believe that he is three years old himself. And what I thought was an interesting consistency with Rugrats canon, because there is an episode where Stu falls off the roof and bumps his head and believes he is a baby and can understand the babies for an episode. And 
Um, I Paul Jermaine would not have been happy about that. <laughs> I think it's an interesting um, kind of consistency with your canon to be like, in this universe, if you bump your head, you can understand babies. It is, um, it is actually really about the, the creation of Rugrats as well. That It seems like there was debate and and you can kind of see this in early episodes apparently that whether like can the babies understand each other and the hu- the adults are just hearing it as baby talk or uh, mm. can the babies actually speak english and are hiding it from the parents mm. and this i think was an argument so there's some episodes where they'll wait for the adults to leave the room to start talking oh, and there's some where the they'll be talking and the parents will be like goo goo gaga like mm. Well, I feel like this one definitively lands on their speaking baby talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was well established by this point. It's just an interesting thing that I think the creators sort of argued about mm. and pulled the show yeah. in different directions. Yeah. Um, Marianne, who's the Mrs. Thornberry, she meets up with the rest of the parents. And finally, Eliza Thornberry, um, the main character of the Wild Thornberries, who is maybe the least play out of any of the main characters <laughs> in this movie. Um, she finds Spike, who is now because he's a dog she can understand him and he's voiced by bruce willis in bruce willis's final role before his passing sometime <laughs> that, that's a joke about how bruce willis doesn't try when he's mm. acting and things my point is that he gives a pretty good performance a pretty good voice performance in this that it's, it feels bizarre to see him do now that he has given up on entertaining anyone with his <laughs> acting. yeah I mean, what did he do after like uh yeah he's in he did sin city lucky number 11 like mm. like very much moved into and live free or die hard was only a few years later that like very much moved into his like grumpy i'm over this kind of thing mm. yeah th- this was like mm. his last really energetic performance he sings in it as well which um, yeah yeah he, he would have he loved that a, yeah he had a music career and it's one of those things where it's like i feel like if you spoke to bruce willis and asked him about his like if you, if you were tasked with interviewing bruce willis and you asked him about his music career he would light up yeah yeah um yeah so he he sings a song with the clouded leopard about voiced how, by um chrissy hind the lead singer of the pretenders oh there you go and they sing a song about how she's just a cat and he hates cats basically and then she tries to go and eat the fucking babies um and he's he, Spike is kind of made over in terms of animation when he is talking. He becomes a more like kind of classical animated character. And I thought it was an interesting because Wild Thornberries is exclusively from Eliza's perspective, where the characters speak, the animals speak English and move like kind of cartoon characters. Moves and like I thought Jager. this was an inter- interesting way to address that. Like, yeah, it is this is how Eliza is perceiving. Um, spike i guess and the climax of the movie takes place where they've worked out where the babies are but they're in a submarine that has ran out of power that's on the bottom of this little lagoon <laughs> it's running out of oxygen it's running out of oxygen nigel thornberry's in, in there and he can talk to them and you get maybe one of like i said the first one was dark the climax of this movie is this very somber yet somehow paradoxically not really in touch with how truly um, morbid the cedars where nigel thornberry is in a in a submarine with about seven or eight babies he's the only one that knows they're all going to die and he quietly starts doing a shadow puppet play for mm. them and it's very it's so like 
Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's like you could, you know you're you're one scene away from him like tucking them in as they fall asleep from lack of oxygen and be like, "Don't worry, we'll get you up to your parents soon." <laughs> like, like, and it's it's so again that doesn't happen in the movie, but it gets so close to grappling with probably the most depressing scene I can think of in any movie, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, but they end up getting out and it's all it's all happy days and the movie acts like it didn't. Um, I guess, I guess the, the Rugrats movies, they construct everything so that it's like, you know they're going to be okay. Mm. And because you know that, we can take this to some very, very scary places. But if you remove that knowledge, it's just, it's this really, like, fucked up, like, kind of way to tell a story about babies. It's already fucked up that this, there's a Rugrats movie about them getting shipwrecked. I, I hate how, like, unrealistic that is. And mm. I think it's funny for the, the parent story is funny, but, like, the fact that the, the babies just wander off into the jungle by themselves is like terrifying and i think that um you could easily combine these two ips without it involving a shipwreck and all that sort of thing you know um and then roll credits and one of the last songs in the credits is this relatively serious power or pop ballad by um eg daily who's the voice of tommy pickles and it just sounds like tommy pickles is singing a song (laughs) but like the song that tommy pickles would never sing it's so funny it's called um oh what's it what's the song called it's called like um uh changing faces or something uh changing faces yeah yeah um go listen to it if you want to hear what sounds like tommy pickles being like and we're changing faces <laughs> like it's so it's you know it's like it's a song that takes itself seriously but she just sounds like tommy pickles oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> It is, um, yeah, again, the music is strange. Uh, Bruce Willis does a cover of Lust for Life by Iggy Pop in the mm-hmm. credits. When Ig- Iggy Pop sings in the first film, mm. the song that Debbie and Angelica bond over loving is Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash, which is like a weird scene. Again, and like, why are they singing that? Like, this is Rugrats. They should be singing like a the, the Cynthia theme song. You know what I mean? Like, right. Rugrats is usually so good at pulling from its own like fictional mm. mythology with Reptar and, and stuff like that. I don't know. It's so weird. It's yeah. so And then weird. also American Hi-Fi does a cover of Message in a Bottle, which I didn't realize was American Hi-Fi who was a one-hit wonder who had a song called Flavor of the Week, which I fucking love that song. <laughs> so that's interesting. So what do you think of this one? Oh, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. It, it is funny. <laughs> that it's like, because I'd never, so this is one of the only one I hadn't seen, which I mm. get, like, had I grown out of Rugrats by this point? Like, I... No, I remember my dad. I, his, no, you had not I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well if you were the same age i guess you're you're a little older than me but yeah. i remember in 2003 i remember i was playing in my backyard and my mum was out on the the front porch and my dad got home from work and i heard him say to my mum hey i was thinking about um taking alex to see finding nemo tonight because he was on like this this he was having this phase where he was like taking the kids out on individual dad dates you know mm. so i say that like it didn't last my dad took me to plenty of movies with that but it was like specifically i'm going to take alex and not 
the other kids you know and it'll be our thing um and i heard him say it and i was pretending to not hear and then i i wandered over and i looked at him i said dad can we go see rugrats go wild instead (laughs) Uh, and and i wanted to like surprise him that i'd heard him you know and he looked a little shocked and then he said no, we're going to see Finding Nemo. <laughs> and thank God he took me to see <laughs> Finding so Nemo. Oh, that's great. It is funny. So, like, the promotion of this film, the, the poster is quite fun of the um mm. the, the main casts of both. Um, the, the, the babies are all up a tree. And all of the Thornberry family, except Marianne, are, like, at the bottom looking up at them. It's because she's the worst Thornberry. She's the she's the, the straight man, so no yeah, one knows yeah, what to do with fine. her. Um, but it's funny, on the poster, it has, like, a paw print that says, and Spike speaks with the voice of Bruce Willis. Like, this was <laughs> very heavily in the marketing. I There's remember. I remember. Post- I, I didn't know he voiced him in the film. I, I must have known ah. at some point kind of thing. But then when he, when he started talking in the film, I was like, whose voice is that? <laughs> Hmm. So, years ago, I don't even remember what podcast it was, but I was riff doing a riff about celebrity voices, and I was like, imagine if this character, whatever franchise it was from, was voiced by, and I drew a blank trying to think of who a quintessential voice actor would be, and then I went, Bruce Willis, because I remembered him playing Spike <laughs> in Rugrats Go Wild, and then I couldn't do a Bruce Willis impression. <laughs> <laughs> he also voices the baby in um, Look Who's Talking as well, which is like another That's true. quintessential. So our second Bruce, our second Bruce Willis voicing Voice a franchise. character who shouldn't a, be able to talk <laughs> a, and and babies are babies are around <laughs> it's our second baby franchise where bruce willis voices one of the characters yeah. who shouldn't be able to speak <laughs> yeah one of the posters is just like spike standing upright with his arms folded and it says what's up dog and then it says spike speaks 1630 like like literally the tagline for this film was Spike Speaks or Spike Speaks Soon. <laughs> I love that What's Up Dog as if that's like something Bruce Willis would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, interestingly, um, yeah, the, there's a post that says What's Up Dog with the tagline Spike Speaks Soon. But the title is not Rugrats Go Wild. It's The Rugrats Meet the Wild Thornberries, <laughs> ah. which was, uh, yeah, I guess, the original title for this film. Although, interestingly, it says the Rugrats meet the Wild Thornberries is the logo, but the website uh, URL at the bottom of it says Rugrats Go Wild. So it might have just been like a, we need a to put, well, we, do, we don't ah. have, we only have a Rugrats character on this poster, so we have mm. to put the Wild Thornberries name on here. Well, it does, it does do Wild Thornberries dirty by not having their full title in the title. Mm. There is, uh, the original sort of teaser for this is like, it zooms in, it's like almost, I think it's, 3d animated but it looks like live action kind of thing or it might be live action mm-hmm. and it's like goes into like a counselor's office and you hear like ah, i just feel like nobody understands me you know what i mean and then um, it zooms in and slowly like reveals oh it's spike talking it's talking and he's talking to eliza <laughs> ah. um, and so and then the title comes on rugrats meet the wild thornberries so yeah, I mean that's that's a fun little thing. The other and one interesting thing about this film is that this was released in Odorama or uh, Smellovision, as it's sometimes uh, called, or Aromascope. You can smell the baby's shitty diapers. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Smellovision is like a thing that was happened in like the '60s, but John Waters actually like coined the term Odorama uh, for his film Polyester. And they said, like, yeah, it was. It's like an homage to to John Waters' Polyester, and 
the studio had let the odorama the copyright for odorama like slip and so mm. they were like the, the film was like oh yeah it's a it's a it's an homage to john waters and john waters said yeah check would have been a nice homage because like <laughs> he didn't get any money for it <laughs> they just like mm. stole the term but unlike you remember uh, when the last film we we covered that was released in aromascope was um uh, spikers all the time in the world which was actually kind of hard to find what the mm. actual scents were uh this one you can actually buy 2000 uh, from 2003 the scratch and sniff um cards on ebay for 19 dollars wow. unopened but they so these were released at like burger king and blockbuster you got the card there and it was like take this card with you when you go see regrets go wild and so yeah it says yeah, bring this card, uh, bring the scratch stuff card with you when you go see Rugrats Go Wild starting in theaters June 13th. Step one, during the movie, you'll see big red numbers flashing in the corner of the screen. Step two, find the glow in the dark number on your card and scratch the circle next to it. Step three, uh, when the number on the screen turns green, smell the circle on your card. And it well, says, it's, it's a lot, very involved. <laughs> um, scratch the sniff scents are synthetic and non allergenic. And uh, yeah, it's got um, so there's six scents in it. Um, mm-hmm. So number one is strawberries. Number two is peanut butter. Number three is flowers. Number four is feet. Presumably the scene where Dill is just uh, licks away um, <laughs> Phil's feet. Yeah. And uh, five is a root beer float, and six is fish. Imagine being in that cinema. You've taken your kid. You're exhausted. You take your kid to some movie, you know, to get them to shut up for a little bit. They've got a cold. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, all of a sudden you hear a scratching sound and there's these strange symbols in the movie and then all of a sudden the entire cinema just smells like feet. <laughs> yeah. Um, in in uh, Polyester, there was like the the um, the 10 smells were roses, flatulence or natural ass, um, model airplane glue, pizza, gasoline, skunk, natural gas, new car smell, dirty shoes and air freshener. And John Waters has commented that it's he finds it funny that the audience is paid to smell shit. <laughs> but apparently the, the DVD release of the film changed the smell of glue to the smell of political correctness. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get it. That's classic John Waters for you. Uh, interestingly about uh, also this actually started as a tv thing but uh it was they they screened it and it got uh shelved and remade into a feature film interestingly about this as well that lil sort of mentions she's going to turn into a vegetarian and it's it's sort of treated as a joke in the film but then yeah for the rest of the series including the sequel series all grown up lil's a vegetarian ah Interesting that she she you know how how old are they and all grown up, like twelve? Uh, yeah, twelve. So like Ish. she's still a vegetarian then. That's mm. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> she made this decision when she was two years old and stranded on a it. desert island. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hate that. Eh, yeah. like just the 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 reality rubber band being stretched so far that like this this series which is supposed to be about like truly truly supposed to be about not only slice of life but how when we're babies we see the whole world even the ordinary as extraordinary right and then putting those babies in an actually extraordinary <laughs> yeah. situation is so stupid it like misses the point entirely yeah stupid babies dumb big dumb babies <laughs> so uh speaking of dumb i've got some dumb mm. trivia and i hope you're ready to hear 
very mm. similar pieces of trivia over and over again. <laughs> I have. So this is the first animated sequel to be rated PG by the MPAA, unlike the previous installments, which were rated G. It is also the only one of the 2000s to do so. Now, remember that phrase. This is the first animated sequel produced in a 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio, unlike the previous installments, which were produced in a 1.85 to 1 aspect ratio. It is also the only one of the 2000s to do so. Oh, who cares? The first animated, uh, the first animated follow-up movie released in June, unlike the previous installments, which were released in November, as well as the only one of the 2000s to do so. I remember the other ones were released in November, because it was in the other dub IMDb uh, the only animated sequel produced in a 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio, yes. un- unlike the previous installments, which were produced sure. in a 1.85 to 1 aspect ratio, to be yep. released on VHS. Oh, and how many others in the 2000s had that happen? Uh, well, no, this is that, that's actually replaced uh, in the 2000s. Oh. <laughs> so this is actually the only animated sequel produced. Uh, <laughs> this is the only animated follow-up movie to be released in June, unlike the previous installments, which were released in November, to be released on VHS. Wow! Like, so I, I like with the what the trivia is actually saying is that this is the like. This is the only movie to animated film released in June where the seat where the previous films were released in November that was released on VHS, which is mm. insane. Like what again, it's that insanely specific thing. It's not like a mm. yeah. all these hoops it's jumping through to be yeah. an inter- interesting quote unquote piece of trivia. Uh this is the only animated franchise that originated in one point eight five to one to have a two point three five to one asset ratio for its third movie until Despicable Me Three. <laughs> How many more of these are there? Uh, one, <laughs> and then and okay. then I have a legit like the actual interesting piece of trivia I teased earlier. Okay. Uh, the fifth theatrically released traditionally animated movie of the two thousands to be produced at a two point three five to one aspect ratio after Titan A.E., Atlantis: The Lost Empire, <laughs> Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, and the Wild Thornberries movie. Someone loves their fucking aspect ratios, but yeah, very mm. actually genuinely interesting. Uh, in fact, this is only the second theatrically released animated third film in a series say it again this is or they call it a triquel on the piece of trivia uh this is the second theatrically released animated triquel right so what does that mean uh so this predates cars 3 toy story 3 despicable me 3 there was no shrek other three yeah shrek 3 Do you, can you what would you guess was the first theatrically animated triquel oh um it wouldn't be like would it be like all dogs go to heaven or something no, like that? Only two of those. No. Um, would it be? I'll give you a clue. You'll never get it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's the Pokemon Three, the movie Spell of the Unknown. Uh, I could have got that. No, I'll never. G- I thought you were gonna say it was like some like obscure like Russian animated series from like the nineteen seventies that I've never heard of. Uh yeah no but but it is interesting now because it's like yeah there's there's a handful of animated well there's there's tons now yeah yeah um but that like yeah this was and what what an odd distinction for pokemon and rugrats to go wild (laughs) and also doesn't even count because like you can say this is a a third Mm. part of a trilogy but you need an ancillary fourth movie to understand one line of dialogue in this movie it's it is very treated as like the rugrats trilogy there is in fact Mm. And next week, uh, there's a Blu-ray. The first Blu-ray release of these films is like the Rugrats mm. trilogy. Um, is coming out. So I think I think that's that's just not true. 
you need no, it is, you it need is. you can look on online and, and <laughs> I just don't Blu-rays I don't consider out. this a trilogy. I, I, I don't think, think the Blu-ray is coming out. <laughs> you need to watch the Wild Thornberrys movie and as part of this whole package. I mean, imagine if you'd never heard of any of these characters in these movies with your only introduction to them. It'd be fucking weird and you'd be like, why am I watching a movie trilogy about babies nearly dying constantly? But you'd need to know something about Wild Thornberrys before you watch this one. Mm. I'm mad, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is the four films in the Wild Rug Thorn Berry Rats. Very cool. There was something you mentioned to me that you were like, we'll talk about it, and we haven't talked about it. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? I don't know. Do you? Well, okay. Here's the question. <laughs> <laughs> I had this thought. Wait, what, is this problematic corner? Do we want yeah, to play problematic the problematic corner, but just like for myself. For us, because we're <laughs> about to be problematic. Ooh, I bet this didn't age well. Let's get a laugh at someone else's expense I have to warn you, this might get obscene This the problematic corner wearing nothing PC Well, I just think it's an interesting like, that, like, It was more of like a I don't remember this about the wild Thornberries And I was asking if you did So, so mm. Debbie Thornberry, the older sister yeah. of Eliza yeah. I asked you, canonically, is she hot? No, I'm not saying. I don't know. The thing is, I'm not saying. Do you find the character attractive? Or, like the great fucking making me bring it up and be like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I do have something to say. Well, because so, I, I, I just I'm I was trying to remember because the the thing is that it's like like she, she's she's treated as a very vain character who's you know concerned mm. about her appearance and and has you know a lot of sort of like hot popular girl kind of you know traits mm. as like uh, uh, the trope, but mm. she also. And I, I was like, I was wondering if this is actually a thing in the show because I think it's more interesting that like when people like she should have no social skills, right? Um, because like she just travels with her family and they live with a monkey and like a feral boy, and it's like <laughs> it's, and so I was like, yeah, I try to remember in the wild thornberries when they encounter, you know, hot locals, are they attracted mm. to Debbie or are they just like? Who's this fucking weird? I mean, she she kind of feral guy, feral girl. <laughs> she kind of shacks up with a native, an African native, in um, the Wild Thornberrys movie mm. named Boko. But I that even that isn't treated as explicitly like they're sexually attracted mm. to each other. It's maybe like a touch of that, but not really. She talks about like hot guys and stuff. Here's here's what I have to say on this, Richard. And I don't, I don't, I haven't watched enough Wild Thornberrys to know if she's canonically hot. What I do think is interesting is that you've got this character who's 16, 17. She's sixteen. Um, right. Well, thank God we got that out of the way. <laughs> Um, no wiggle room. Someone, <laughs> someone at Klasky Chupo is enjoying animating her. Like that's that's the that's the problematic part if there is one. Like someone is taking their time to draw every curve and every like, no, like she is. She's not particularly like. She's not. She's no Jessica Rabbit. I don't. I of course not. Okay, pick the most extreme example. <laughs> yeah. I still. I still think she is drawn. Um, very, you know, very buxom, very, um, I don't know. And it, like, who am I to say if it's a problem or not? I'm just saying that it's. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just someone's, someone's, someone's enjoying drawing Debbie Thornberry. Well, I someone can, probably just loved the job. 
All right, okay. All right, pivot. Like this, this shots like now. Nah, forget it. <laughs> I just don't know if it's worth getting into. I like. I literally. I was taking photos and sending them to my flatmate because I was like, "Why well, would you draw this a character?" This? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I like hop on the Discord. Like the the the, the question isn't. Do you think Debbie Thornberry is hot? <laughs> I thought that was the question. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, do the other characters think she's hot? Okay. Mm. Yeah. So I'd ask the same thing about no. Nigel Thornberry. Do the other characters think Nigel Thornberry's hot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Please let us know on the Discord. Not do you find Debbie Thornberry hot? I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know that if that's what you this. think. <laughs> People who are well versed in Wild Thornberry's lore is Debbie Thornberry supposed to be a hot character? Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I um, I I've I don't usually do this, but I've left my window open while recording, and I just mm. I just hope my neighbor's listening. <laughs> no, no, it, it, no, it's not. Is Debbie Thornberry hot? <laughs> <laughs> is she supposed to be hot? <laughs> Uh, all right, so time for uh, not the newest segment we've got anymore, but a relatively new segment, <laughs> Meeting of the Elders. So this mm. is, uh, we've got a tier on our, the Cult Elders tier on our Patreon, uh, which yep. you can subscribe to, and you'll get access to a very secret channel on the Discord, uh, where each week, or each fortnight each episode you can uh tell us your thoughts on the franchise and so uh yeah uh, we had uh bliss my spike uh normally bliss my dog but changed it to spike for you know to very funny very fun still makes it no no sense to me why bliss my dog <laughs> but uh joined uh the cult hours tier specific specifically for mm. rugrats slash wild thorn bears this is the, be prepared, this is the ravings of a madman, if you've <laughs> yeah. heard of Rugrats before. <laughs> uh, so I'll just get to uh, just a couple other comments. Uh, Dan said, hey Siri, play that song by Kanye West and Jay-Z, uh, Rugrats in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning how to choose the right song <laughs> <laughs> to listen to this. Mm. Oh, it happened! <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Vincent said, just started Rugrats in Paris, and my God, what a nightmare to share a flight with these babies. Interestingly, <laughs> Vincent like watched the films, and that's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Bless My Spike uh, asked about uh, if we were going to do the Tales of the Crib and Runaway Reptile, or extended episodes. Uh, we said no. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... Uh, so, the Rugrats movie, I wore out the orange VHS tape by watching it constantly as a kid. So many memorable moments with, with Charlotte's, well, you know what they say, Juan Andavina has looked for a, being one of my favorite lines in cinematic history with my quoting it constantly, often adding the most ridiculous euphemisms to finish the quote. You don't have to read this. We're going to. But as an example, well, you know what they say, Juan Andavina has looked for a big old donkey dick. <laughs> I can see this being hilarious as a kid. Yeah, oh yeah, even, even now. <laughs> I I have dumber personal jokes or like recurring mm. jokes in my life. It's a very odd film mm. though, with many questionable decisions and moments that are super easy to overthink. One moment in particular that always struck me as what in the absolute fuck is the trippy CGI sequence before Dill is born. We go into Dee Dee's mouth and see all sorts of strange things that we can only assume are existing inside of Dee Dee's uterus. And perhaps even, <laughs> dare I say it, her vagina. 
<laughs> oh these things gosh. include but are not limited to the universe <laughs> fish not, um, <laughs> not limited to the universe <laughs> and then everything else he says will be like within the universe yeah. uh, fish a frog dolphins a dinosaur monkeys atoms stone atoms as well uh stonehenge and the pyramids while i understand that the visual imagery is meant to evoke human evolution the orchestral accompaniment of the rugrats theme seems to imply that rugrats as a franchise is so full of itself that the addition of another rugrat is such a world-changing event that it can be seen as the next step in human evolution um yeah that is i mean that's a great point that's all that's surely what it's trying to do is being like all history has led up to Mm. this but like Dilf is a fairly passive character after this movie, so I don't know if it was all leading up to him after it all. It sounded very much like you'd said Dilf. Dilf. <laughs> I did. I was I was referring to Stu Pickles. That's my good to the franchise is that they've grown up so much they have kids and Dill's Dilf. <laughs> um it's called Dilf Pickles. Alright. Um <laughs> I signed up for Cult Elders because I've always been fascinated with the scene inside of Dee Dee. Don't take that the wrong way. I just find it to be overlooked in the discussion of the film, despite how fucking weird it is. And would love to hear you guys take on it. What symbolizes within the context of Rugrats and what else it could possibly be trying to say? The idea that there is a dinosaur inside of Dee Dee is hilarious to me. Uh, I think it's probably a metaphor. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I don't think it's literal. Of course not literal. I think it's the... Yeah, I think maybe maybe it's like... Rugrats by that point have been such become such an institution that now it's going like we are definitively adding something to the canon. We're adding mm. a new character, and this is as big a moment as the conception of the universe, as the yeah. death of the dinosaurs, as the discovery of atoms. Mm. You know, it is interesting though. I remember during the Yu Gi Oh episode, we talked about like that the Yu Gi Oh movies kind of don't do anything that you couldn't just do on the show mm. or like the, the concepts explored in the show are bigger than the movies yeah whereas the Rugrats is the opposite problem <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well, but like Rugrats is like yeah adding a new character I mean aside from the your babies have gone missing and stuff like that that's like it makes sense to add a baby brother for hmm. it. like in the movie uh, going to Paris is another one that it's like yeah, you go overseas and then crossing over with mm. another IP yeah these all make sense to be movies yeah, and and so, so Wild Thornberries, even just the fact that Debbie finds out, put that mm. in your movie. Yeah, true. But it's like the movie's yeah. not marketed around that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, and these sort of just surmised the thoughts on uh, in Rugrats in Paris. I grew up with this good movie, definitely a lot more sane than the original. I find the decision mm. to open with a parody of The Godfather to be a bit too pandering to the adults. Yeah, the Wild Thornberries movie. But it's so funny though, <laughs> hearing Angelica do the Marlon Brando voice. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. The Wild Thornberries movie. It was alright. Go wild, awful movie. Subpar animation. Stu's actions are deplorable, and any attempt to make him sympathetic are pathetic. I also want to call out the extended sequence of Dill licking Phil's feet as absolutely disgusting. They are babies. <laughs> oh, and the whole television thing was attacked on gimmick. Agreed with everything that Bliss My Spike has said. Yeah, this the Stu's thing is like, and then it's like, oh, Stu, you saved the day, and it's like you are one hundred percent the reason we're here, and our children should have died yeah yeah and finally some interesting trivia for the first film um stuff i didn't have written down uh david bowie wrote a song for the film titled safe which they ultimately cut for the film for an undocumented reason as a david bowie fan and a rugrats fan i find this fascinating this song now exists on the deluxe heathen album fascinating weird yeah that's like who who tells david bowie nah 
in your Rugrats movie. Yeah. One thing that that's popped up quite a few times in this episode, and that I found in, like infinitely funny, is how many like celebrities we've mentioned that I would never think of in the context of Rugrats have like these connections to mm. Rugrats, like Madonna and Paul Simon and <laughs> David Bowie, like all have stories about that. That which means that at some point these celebrities will have known what Rugrats is. <laughs> Which, you know, like that's yeah. kind of funny to think that David Bowie was aware of the Rugrats and was told, hey, David, sorry, we can't actually use your song. <laughs> your song isn't good enough for our dumb baby movie. He's like, but I wrote it for Rugrats! <laughs> the words asshole are in the film uncensored during the On Your Mark sequence with Buster Rhymes. I don't think it was censored in any version of the film. Yeah, and, um, Buster Rhymes voices Reptar in the first one. And he says asshole. Yeah, apparently. Well, I think, uh, yeah. What? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I gotta look this uh, up. And then Bust My Spike said, okay, I think that's most of what I want to say. Scotty Doesn't Know said, I actually saw the first film in the theatres for my little brother's birthday. I'm four years older, but our birthdays are only one day apart, so we always had to do joint birthdays. I got him back the following year as it, might, as it was my turn to choose, so we went to go see Big Daddy. Boy, I sure showed him. <laughs> I don't actually remember much of the Rugrats film, but I do remember this being the first time I noticed that the movie versions of animated TV shows look noticeably different, which I've always found really distracting. The only other truly <laughs> fond memory I have of Rugrats is that my mates in high school had a metal band which had a song with the lyrics, Reptile, Lizard, King, Death, Bringer, and a shoe very funny very random yeah it's <laughs> mentioning the thing about um how it yeah looks different it, it is i i do find it distracting i adjust to it but it's like every time even if i've this is my fourth movie i'm watching the opening scene i'm always like damn look at that animation mm. and and yeah, especially yeah. if you're seeing it in the cinema as well it's like um like the it's simpsons nice. movie did it as well yeah i like it yeah, i think so. it's clean um I looked up, the, I so Buster Rhymes, you know when they're like in the reptile wagon mm. and it's driving throughout the city and they mm. nearly die and get hit by trucks and stuff. Mm. Uh, Buster Rhymes' song is playing yeah, yeah. there. I don't think he's voicing reptile. He does it's voice like reptile. A, oh, okay. Well, well like I think he says asshole. He, yeah. he says asshole in the lyrics of the right. song. Not just There's not just a scene where, where, where they're, goes, playing with, with, <laughs> they're playing with the toy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that is Media Journed. If you want to uh, have your thoughts read out at some point on a future podcast, feel free to join the Cult Elders tier. So we are now at our last couple of segments, the first of which is Continue the Franchise. Uh, as mm. I mentioned before, the Rugrats did have a somewhat of a continuation. Um, they had a, a show that ran for four episodes called uh, Preschool Days, Day spelled mm. D-A-Z-E. Um, that was like Susie and um, Angelica yeah, going they'd, to preschool. They'd already done the They're All Grown Up one, so desperate for spinoffs, they go, all right, what if um, Susie and... and <laughs> yeah, what, no, it's before, it's earlier, I think. It's like them as ch- as babies. No, it's them in, in preschool. Ah, uh, okay. Them one. Uh, yeah, that, that has a real, has quite a different animation style. It looks more like flash animation. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there is also, as you mentioned, uh, there... Uh, yeah, Rugrats all grown up. Uh, which there was a which I remember like this is how I learned what a backdoor pilot was. Um, because mm. there was an episode of Rugrats where it was all it was the episode was called All Growed Up, and yeah. it, and then it was popular, so they made All Grown Up, and that ran for a couple of seasons. And then yeah, I had the the realization the other day because I remember that there was also Recess All Grown all grow down which is clearly a reference to rugrats all grown up but they're fucking recess is disney and 
Rugrats is Nickelodeon. So it's, it's weird Can't to do that. like. That's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can understand if you made like Angry Beavers all grown down. <laughs> Angry Beavers, yeah. a show which never aired its series finale, interestingly. Um, mm. And it sounds real interesting. But do you ever continue the franchise? Well, there's also, sorry, the the um, uh, Tales from the Crib, which is like retellings of Jack mm. and the Beanstalk and, and one other thing. Um, and Snow, Snow White or yeah, Wizard of Oz or something. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's just their, their little TV specials. Yeah. Um, so And the revival, obviously. Yeah. I I think um, first I was just going to be like, make an As Told by Ginger movie because that's the other classy chupo that I quietly think is actually their best TV show. It's sort wow. of a Malcolm in the middle, but from the perspective of like a 13-year-old girl. And I really like that show. But no, I think my content the franchise is... They should make, removed from everything else, it's not canon, it's not anything, they should make a live-action Wild Thornberrys movie. Like, grounded a little bit, but I think that concept and those characters could be taken seriously and decartoonified and become a, a, like, a cool, like, live-action kids movie. You know, you will have to recast Nigel Thornberry, but who can't do a Nigel Thornberry? No, don't. <laughs> I just keep very old and frail Tim Curry as Nigel Thornberry. Yeah, wheelchair um, user. Who are actors with big noses? Adrian Andrew, Brody? And, uh, Andy Samberg. <laughs> actors with big noses. Adam Driver? <laughs> Adam oh Driver God, is yes. Nigel Thornberry. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's my that's my continue the franchise. Hmm. Yeah, as told by Ginger was cool. The other the cool thing about as told by Ginger is like the characters aged. Hmm. I I I think make an R real monsters movie. <laughs> ah, that is another classic yeah, cheapo but, one. Yeah, and um, Duckman was their other one. That's right. Yeah, didn't like that one as much. And there's something called Santo Baguito, which I've never heard of. Fuck is this? Santa Baguito. Are they still around? Classic YouTuber? Uh, are they still doing stuff? The last thing they did was preschool days in 2008. And like as told by Ginger was their last one. And All Grown Up ran 2008 as well. But then they're credited for the Rugrats 2021. But I imagine it's probably more like a, you have to put our names on it because we invented mm. it. But yeah, I guess when did um, Klasky and Chupo break up because they were like mid mid rugrats like during rugrats all right uh oh they divorced in 1995 remained amicable yeah work together i i want to see a a sequel to all grown up i want to see it go even further dilf pickles dilf pickles you know like like pick up the rugrats characters but you know they're, they're doing that like the powerpuff uh live action series where it's like they, they I don't were know child superheroes. Well, it's yeah. Well, I think a, a couple yeah. of people have left it, and it's like was being retold. But that kind mm. of thing, where it's like you treat it a lot more like you know, like because surely they would be put into like foster care at some point because their, their <laughs> parents are so negligent. Or yeah, that, like, or they like, like follow through with the actual implications of like all the stuff that happened to you when you were a literal baby. And mm. you would be all these suppressed memories. And like, you know, you're remembering it. It's like, oh, remember how we, we rode in a Reptar Ava through Paris? And it's like, <laughs> no, that that can't have happened. Mm. Your your mind is, you're, you're try, trying to deal with trauma. Yeah, yeah. And and also like, even the fact that in All Grown Up, that, that it's still the same core group of friends is unrealistic. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, like a, a 
getting the old ba- gang back together uh, because, you know, Tommy's re- like revealing his trauma. The idea that these babies... That so they they went missing for at least a day and it was it was worldwide news. Mm. Um, they piloted a giant reptile robot through Paris, though I don't know if anyone knew it was them. Mm. Um, and then they got shipwrecked, and all of this would have had to have happened within the space of one year mm. because they don't age, right? Yeah. Which means that these babies. Um, like it'd be like they'd grow up being famous, you know, mm. like, oh, you're Tommy Pickles. Can I get a photo with you? Can mm. I get your autograph? And it's like dealing with being famous for a bad reason. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for the worst segment of the show. This is called Ranked at Franchise. We're over on letterbox.com slash cult pop show. You can find a list of a ranking of every franchise we've ever covered on uh, yeah. Phil Franchise Fortnites. I guess for this, are we going to have to do two entries? um i because mm. part of part of me or because what we what we do is we go um like we put the first film of the franchise to represent the entire franchise part of me wants to put rugrats go wild on the list to represent the four yeah because it's not like there are wild thornberries movies mm. there's a single one whereas there's definitively a rugrats franchise of movies where there's only one wild thornberries movie and then they share half a movie with the rugrats mm. or so do we do we just put the Rugrats the move the Rugrats movie on here? I think so. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. And yeah, we don't have to worry about the Wild Thorn Bears. No. I yeah. Guess so. uh, cool. I'm sure they'd go right next to each other if we did rank both yeah. of them. So uh, last episode we quite uh, mm. controversially, uh, not mm. really. Um, no one cared. Added a because uh, no one listens to this segment. Gave a new number. They're gone. One. Uh, gave a new number one to um, uh, to Before Sunrise. Do we think uh, this is going to be near that? <laughs> no, I do not think. I think you're going to say, is this? Is, are we going to crown number one twice in a row? Um, what is so? We've got the Nymphomaniac constant, which represents the the midpoint between when something goes from mostly good to mostly bad. What's just above Nymphomaniac? Mighty Ducks. I like this more than Mighty Ducks. Okay, High School Musical? Nah, let's put it between High School Musical and Mighty Ducks. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, cool, saving that. And we get to be done with this for another day. <laughs> now, normally we would reveal our next franchise, but uh, not gonna. Not not gonna do it. We're, so we're going off for um, a couple... Going off! No, we're going offline, I should say, for a couple of weeks just to enjoy a little, a little bit of a break. Uh, so you, the next franchise, whatever it may be, will be the start of season seven, and that'll be a surprise. Um, and so, and un- until then, um, we're going to be just releasing some Patreon sample packs. So if you haven't joined the Patreon yet, these are you know examples of what you can expect if you do join it. Um, and you can join that Patreon over at Patreon.com/slash/ColdPopsha. Um, that's where you can support us financially. You can also support us mentally and emotionally by joining our Discord, which there is a link to in the show notes as well as uh, following us on Instagram and Twitter at Cult Popsha. you can email us at media at gmail.com um, and you can of course subscribe to us at all the different places that you would subscribe to a podcast on such as iTunes or YouTube we have a YouTube channel um, and until uh, in a couple of weeks have fun in, in uh, is it canon where you're going? Uh, I said it at the start of this episode yeah. Okay, so you're going to to Paris, right? But it's going to look a lot like China. <laughs> um, have fun over there, Richard. And if I make um, it. 
Yeah, that's true. Let's again, everybody again. This might have dated really badly, and I won't be listening back to it. But I will still be taking a break from the podcast. <laughs> Alrighty, so see you then, and stay tuned for the post-credit scene coming at you after this music ends. Welcome along to the post credit scene. This will be the last post credit scene for a couple of weeks. Uh, this is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate to our, to our Patreon $5 or more over at patreon.com slash Popsha, you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, who's it from and what is it? Uh, so this is from Michael Prefontaine, which possibly, other than when I fudged it um, with Before Sunrise, this is probably possibly the best... Um, marriage of episode and post-credit scene excellent although uh i will say i don't endorse this um because it is oh my god uh, well anyway post-credit scene suggestion this is michael prefontaine says you have a baby and a microwave for every second you run the microwave with the baby in it you get a million dollars how long do you set the microwave for Uh, i don't put the baby in the microwave this is like skirting with being a a dead baby joke which people have said before that like if you like dead baby <laughs> jokes fucking join the cult popsha podcast which i i would never having made them and not liking them i wouldn't i wouldn't say not really like i hate i hate dead baby jokes i think they're so stupid maybe that's why we didn't like the rugrats movies is because they're basically skirting with dead baby <laughs> jokes yeah. as well um i think uh i could mm. <laughs> So to, don't answer the question. Well, yeah, to, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was like, I could quite comfortably, like one, one second isn't gonna hurt the baby, and a million dollars is like more money than I'll probably ever see in my life at, at one point. But then I had the thought. I'm of, glad you added at one point. I was like, Richard, you'll see a million dollars. Yeah, I, like I'll probably never see it in one. You can't. Go. You won't be able to retire on a million dollars. But then I had the thought of like. I I, th- I thought, well, okay, how attached am I really to babies? And then I thought, well, okay, if I make it, like, if I put one of my cats in the microwave, I was like, I couldn't do that even for a second. I would feel <laughs> horrible. Your fur babies. My fur babies. <laughs> um, yeah, I've really, I've really. Well, who like, knows? Yeah. Richard, maybe when you're standing there in front of the microwave and the baby is in your hands, maybe then you'll discover you can't do it as well. Yeah. Or maybe- you know, you've really got to see the baby. You know, a, a woman, a uh, well, woman I think, becomes I feel like I'd also have to see the million dollars. <laughs> a woman becomes a parent when she gets pregnant. A man doesn't become a father until he's standing at the microwave <laughs> holding their newborn child. And turning down a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, I'm going to go. Well, speaking of that, I'm going to go make some dinner. Same. <laughs> it's fucking 9 30 at night. I have to get up early tomorrow. All right, man. All right, I'm gonna See you later. <laughs> oh. I bought dinosaur, sh- uh, like uh, animal shaped pasta. Is it reptile? Zoo animals pasta. No, I think it's oh. zoo animals rather than dinosaurs. Very excited. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 